Well, hello, folks, and welcome to the Jeff Macalino Podcast. Glad you can join me today. Uh, I am now uh, officially, can no longer say I'm in my early 30s. I turned 35 uh, on Saturday, so I'm a little depressed. I'm now uh, officially closer to 40 than I am 30, so I'm sure many of my listeners, or, uh, well, according to my uh, metrics, very few of you can relate. But anyways, today I have uh, Wajid Hassan joining me. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I'll catch you on the flip side. All right, everyone. Now I welcome Wajid Hassan to the Jeff Macalino podcast. How are you, sir? Hey, Jeff. Great to be on your show, my friend. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, to chat with you today because I, I told you before we started recording, I I've uh, done a deep dive and and listened to you a lot over the last couple of days, uh, and uh, it's boy, there's a there's a lot of interesting things. I'm I'm going to try not to to start too heavy. We'll start light. <laughs> the. The, the later side of things, I know you have, uh, you've talked about, uh, I don't, not in depth, at least from what I've heard, but you talked about, you kind of got started in, uh, you did some stand-up comedy, and I know you've done, uh, I know your IMDb page, you've got a lot of acting credits as well, but what, uh, what drew you into stand-up to begin with? Uh, great question. I, my background was primarily technical. I was a, uh, I was a field engineer for a number of years. And uh, I got to, um, I can't, you know, in the technical field, you kind of, kind of burn, I, I kind of got burnt out. And then I ended up, uh, uh, when I moved to LA, I ended up in Hollywood, I had a small computer repair shop uh, on uh, near Sunset and Highland, right in the heart of Hollywood, uh, opposite some casting studios. And um, that was that was back in 1997. And at that time, um, uh, my spiritual yogi master, who I followed for many, many years, passed away. And I kind of got into a, a kind of a deep depression. I couldn't get out of it because he was like a father figure to me. And my wife at the time, she said, you know, uh, she said, you know, when you were in high school in London, your drama teacher, because I, I got in front of the whole school in London when I was 15. And I got, it, got up and made everybody laugh. And my drama teacher at the time pleaded with me. She said, get into comedy and acting. And I never did. My parents being immigrants, they did have nothing to do with it, you know, math and science and get a real job. And so it, it was always in the back of my mind that it was something that I, I, I never really pursued. And so she said to me, she said, why don't, why don't you do a little comedy just on the side, just as a hobby? And I said, and I thought, you know, that'd be that'll be a good idea. Get me out of my rut. And um, I took some stand-up comedy lessons uh, with uh, Steve and Barbara North, who were well-known teachers in LA on stand-up comedy. And then eventually I just started doing open mics at the uh, comedy store, the Laugh Factory and um, uh, the improv. And, you know, I, I, I got up there and put on the turban, put on the Indian accent, people laughed. And I thought, well, you know, I'm pretty happy with that. You know, I mean, it wasn't something I was going to make a career out of. It was just a, just a pastime and a hobby. Um, and then uh, I, um, I was in my store and this woman came in and, and she, I fixed her up for computer and she kept looking at me. And I, I said, why do you keep staring at me? She said, well, you have an interesting face. I said, so. She said, well, I'm a, she said, I'm a casting director. I said, so, cause I didn't know what a casting director was. She said, well, let's see if we can get you an agent. So she got me a, a commercial agent. And then from there I started booking commercials. And then from there I got a theatrical agent. So I was kind of discovered in Hollywood without really, and it was a good time because at that time, all the small computer stores computer repair shops and whatever they were being swallowed up by you know larger corporations like circuit city and best buy and all that so they were all and so i i had to finally close down the store and i i, I got into you know as an actor you know it's very difficult as you know uh doing stand-up and acting and so i did menial jobs and kept myself open 
during the day for auditions and did it for over 20 years. And, you know, you know that nobody, only a minority make it big in Hollywood. But as a union actor, I was very fortunate that I got steady work. And again, I would consider myself maybe the top 5% of people who actually got work. And so I was quite satisfied uh, with my career and, you know, doing stand up. It was really great. Got to see some really famous people. I remember once I was, uh, I was at the, uh, the Laugh Factory and the owner, Jamie Masada, he'd like to critique the, uh, the, the open micers and the stand up comedians. And so I'm standing there, I'm sitting there with him with my turban on my head and who walks in, but Chris Rock. And he, he comes up to me and he, he shakes my hand. He says, oh, I see you want to be like me. So I thought it was funny that I was with a turban on my head and Chris Rock is, is asking if I wanted to be a comedian like him. So I thought that was funny. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I enjoyed that 20 years. It, uh, as you know, if people are not in the business, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the best business in the world and the worst business because you have to deal with so much rejection and set set downs and whatever but when when you book and you're on on the set it's uh, i guess it's like an addictive high i think it's an addiction yeah. just like any other addiction and you're up there and you get up you get there on you know and you're in front of camera and all that and it's a, it's a great feeling so um yeah it was it was it was some there were some good times for sure it's it's funny a couple of things stick out to me with the stories one is the casting director walks into your store and because she's in Hollywood, she just assumes everyone there wants a job <laughs> acting or doing something. So she probably everywhere she goes, waitresses, waiters, any any uh, bag boy at a grocery store. She probably is just like, oh, you look like you you've got a look. Um, uh, I, I guess. Uh, yeah, but uh, I wasn't looking. And that's that's the beauty of it. I wasn't really looking to make it a career. I think it. I think sometimes destiny just unfolds in front of you. And it, I guess it was meant to be. And uh, so, and, and in fact, she remained, a, a, she's still my best friend. Even after uh, all these years, we, we stay in touch and uh, she's uh, she, she turned out to be a wonderful friend as well. So um, yeah, uh, that's the problem in Hollywood. Yeah. You're every, you know, everybody's a writer, a singer, an actor and everywhere you look and it's so, so competitive. Uh, I live in Raleigh right now, but just before I left a few years ago, uh, in the old days, you know, like a co-star role, um, they'd submit maybe a hundred actors, you know, through Courier and all that. And I was talking to this uh, one casting director and they said, just for a, like a one-line co-star role, they get like 3,000 submissions. And it's like, where do you, where do you start with 3,000 submissions, you know? just for one line. So it's uh, because of the electronic uh, um, submissions now, it's ex extremely uh, uh, competitive. Yeah, and it's, I, I going through your IMDB, excuse me, um, you did, I've, I've joked with, um, uh, not that he'd remember, but Nick Valanga, who won uh, two Academy Awards for Green Book, uh, and he was in the, the most recent Sopranos movie. We were at a, we were guests at a wedding together and he's about my size. I'm six, two, about two. Well, I say two fifty, but right now I'm about two seventy. Uh, and, and I said to him, I'm like, I just want to be sure I'm guessing every role I'd get, I'd be the big fat Italian mobster. And he's like, go down my IMDB page. Almost every single one of my roles is the big Italian fat mobster. And in going through yours, a lot of it, and I actually, as soon as I saw the Mad Men credit, I'm like, wait, I actually, and it was probably five, six years ago, I watched the series. I'm like, I actually, I know exactly what scene he was in. <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, Hollywood does stereotype. And uh, even though I was raised in England, you know, they, they want the, they want the, Indian accent they, they were and you know at first I was a, kind of a little offended then I realized you know what I'm in a I'm in a niche bracket and I can get work and you know if you're blonde blue-eyed and pretty there's there's a there's a there are a diamond dozen and there's so many pretty women in Hollywood so the, the competitiveness there is just unbelievable and yeah um 
yeah, I mean, I still had to com- compete with my peers, but still, it wasn't it wasn't as 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 competitive as say you know if you're a, a white Anglo-Saxon kind of nice looking there's 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 hundreds and if not thousands in Hollywood yeah so um it is it is what it is and uh you know so long as they paid me good money I didn't I didn't mind right that's if you're gonna give me money I'll do it (laughs) I mean I and that's I mean to me and that's I guess that's kind of a, a comedy attitude uh similar to an acting attitude is like you're gonna pay me I'm sure it's your money. Yeah, my, my speciality was actually character actor in commercials. Uh, I did a lot of commercials and uh, did well in commercials. So um, even now, my commercial agents, like anytime you're back in L.A., will we'll take you back. So, um, you know, it's good to be it's good to be know, known that you wanted even now. So that's good. And, you know, you've, uh, I mean, you obviously mentioned you moved to Raleigh. Um, have you kind of put all of that in the rearview mirror or is it something like, well, not now, but maybe in the future? Yeah, I've kind of taken a, 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 hiatus, a hiatus. I um, I managed to get an agent here, but uh, being in Raleigh, most of the work is Atlanta and New York. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if, I mean, in L.A., if, if you got a callback, you can get to a callback. But, you know, a seven hour drive to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I want to kind of do that or fly out to New York unless they unless it's on their dime. But um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think I'm focusing more on uh, the book and uh, aspects of my life that I didn't really haven't really revealed before. Yeah. And you've got quite uh I've, you know, I, I'm just brushing on the surface, obviously, but you've got quite a bit of life experience and interesting things. And your book, um, which is the best, which was the number one on Amazon, I believe, uh, The Struggle for World Sanity. Um, I think you talk a lot about different life experiences and then kind of uh well this is where i want to dive into some deeper stuff with you. <laughs> um the 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 one thing that um so i guess for my listener let's let's start here could you briefly explain you your i would say well you tell me if you agree but i would say you would be an expert in the field of metaphysics um uh, yeah, I, I would. I wouldn't say I was an expert, but I have uh, uh, a number of years' experience in in that field of metaphysics, uh, spirituality, healing, um, paranormal, UFOs. Uh, because I I followed a yogi master for over forty years since I was the age of sixteen, and belonged to his organization, the Ethereum Society. And it was really interesting, uh, Jeff, that when I when the book was published last year, it was, it was right at the start of, it was around August when COVID was just like really hitting hard. And it, it went straight to number one. Of course, it didn't stay number one because, you know, there's a zillion books out there, but it was very interesting that on the number one category, it, uh, uh, it went on the sub, it was a subject of uh, mysticism and spirituality and UFOs. So it, it, it showed to me that people are very interested in that subject matter. And again, it was this is a uh, stuff that I haven't really talked about because over the years, you know, you've got to you've got to earn a living, and me going out and uh, doing all that, you know, I mean, it, it, there's I didn't see that any particular aspect of making money out of this, and now that I'm kind of freed up, I can talk about it, and um, you know, it, it, it's not a money making venture; it's it's to reveal certain aspects of truth which have not been revealed in the mainstream media and when i when i do talk about them people are really fascinated yeah and there's a lot a lot of different things (laughs) so let's start uh if you don't mind let's start with ufos because i think i recall hearing that you uh I guess witnessed might be the right word witnessed a ufo when you were you were pretty young at the time weren't you I was 18 at the time. I was in London and uh, <clears throat> I just got this um, 
I always considered myself fairly psychic, uh, even at a, at a younger age. And I think we're born with some these abilities. I don't think psychic ability is a gift. I think um, I'm a firm believer in reincarnation. I think reincarnation should be taught to every everybody on the planet. Uh, but that's a different subject matter in itself. But uh, we come with uh, attributes from pre previous lives. And yeah, I was in uh, um, I was in my apartment and I got this strong feeling that I needed to be somewhere at a particular time. And, and for three days, I ignored it. And then finally, um, I opened up a map of England and I traced my finger on the map of England and it pointed to a place near Stonehenge called Salisbury. And I knew that I had to be at that particular place. Uh, it was a little um, little place called Clearwater, which was a few miles outside of Salisbury. And I knew I had to be there at midnight on that Friday. Don't ask me why, just these premonitions. And so that Friday night, I took the, um, uh, the Greyhound or the coach, they call it in England, to, to Salisbury. And I got there like 10.30 uh, in the evening and I walked these country lanes and then exactly at midnight I crossed over this fence and I looked up and I saw this uh, bright uh, uh, circles shaped object uh, moving from the um, uh, from the south to the north and I thought well I must be in the right place and then around 1 30 a.m I stood my ground and another white circle light object moved from the uh, uh, from the west to the east and uh, to me at that time it kind of signified the sign of a cross I, I don't know why it seemed to be symbolizing that because the cross is a very ancient symbol uh, used way long before Christianity used by the Egyptian and other ancient civilizations and I thought that was very interesting because the cross is is the um, depicts the ascension uh, the ascension of man onto higher spheres of existence. And then exactly at 3 a.m., uh, this much larger uh, spacecraft, uh, it was about 100 meters above me, came over and stopped where I was. And then this white light came out from the hull of the craft and these tremendous energies went through me. And I was in this kind of state of like um, spiritual uh, ecstasy. And, and then how long it was, I don't know. And then it slowly moved away. And so the experience I had was, was very mystical, was very spiritual. Um, the realization that came was that whoever, whoever was manning this spacecraft was not only advanced scientifically, but also spiritually. And uh, it gave me the realization that the people who man these spacecraft have, have been watching us for millions of years and have been observing us. And um, yeah, at that time, I didn't reveal it to anybody at that time, because most people would have thought I was a crackpot. But now I think it's important that I revealed, I felt that I should reveal that to let people know that we're not alone in the universe and that, you know, we don't have to, um, you know, that there are beings, uh, which my yogi master was also in contact with directly, they're actually a very compassionate, spiritual and scientifically advanced and care about what's happening with mankind at this time. So again, a revelation, not so much on reading books, but actually a, a, a personal experience that I actually had myself. Well, and uh, one thing, uh, again, I uh, not that my listeners would have uh, done the research I did, but one thing I heard you say, that I, I've said previously, and I think this ties in, um, I, I've said, it, I, I have a few, obviously there are other, we'll call them aliens for lack of a better term, uh, but uh, I, I, I've thought, and again, not that I've ever witnessed a UFO or any experience like that, uh, but I, I've said, I feel like we're being observed, but a lot of times, they're probably looking at us like, what is wrong with these people? We're not going to actually contact them until they figure they figure out what the hell they're doing, because why are things uh, why are wars still a thing on this planet? Why is racism a thing on this planet? 
why, why, why can't y'all just get along? You're the same species. There's a giant universe out there. And I don't know if you think similarly or not, as far as why they maybe haven't directly just come and said, Hey guys, we're here. Let's talk. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent agree with you, Jeff. I, I, you know, as an advanced, as advanced beings, I don't think, I don't think we would welcome them with open arms. We would probably welcome them with a nuclear warhead. That's the way we are. We're known in this solar system and beyond as a very savage warlike race. And we've been on this planet for 18 million years. Uh, this is based on the information that uh, my yogi master found out in deep meditation. And we've, we've actually um, destroyed two civilizations while we've been here. The first one was Nomuria. Uh, and the other one was Atlantis, and they were both destroyed by atomic warfare. And some of the ancient uh, Hindu Vedic texts talk about the destruction of Atlantis, where they talked about uh, the energy beams and the use of Amanas, flying objects, and these terrible wars that occurred. And twice uh, the earth has flipped on its axis, and people, the Bible talks about the Great Flood. And one of the aspects of the Great Flood was the atomic destruction of Atlantis. And it's very interesting that um, my yogi master was contacted by these higher beings in the 50s and, and 60s. And it was very interesting at that time. This was right after, you know, World War II, which was, you know, one of the most horrific eras in our history. And then right after that, we got into the Cold War and then we started exploding atomic bombs again. And in the 50s and 60s, saw the highest amount of UFO sightings ever. So there was a concern in the solar system that, again, man was about to destroy. We just have this weird mentality that we're just so, you know, no, nobody in the animal kingdom kills. I mean, they, 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 they kill for food, but they won't kill their own species, or it's very rare. We're the only ones that are just barbaric enough to kill our own species. And so I, I believe that the, these sightings, I believe that the context that my yogi master made with these beings was that they actually absorbed a lot of this uh, atomic radiation from the fallout. I think America detonated at least a thousand nuclear warheads as did Russia. And the scientists even today can't believe that we're still alive. So somebody intervened on our behalf um, and I believe it was these higher beings, these, these people who manned the, uh, the UFOs that actually saved us uh, from destruction. And yeah, I, 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 you know, if people do their own research, I mean, I'm not here to convince anybody, but people keep their own open mind and do their own research. They'll find out that a lot of things make sense. And um, even the contact that my yogi master had with these beings was was pretty legit uh, one aspect of it uh was um he would receive messages like uh that there would be sightings over new zealand australia america three weeks before they occurred they would give him the information of these sightings and then three weeks later those exact sightings uh, were revealed and they had to stop because the military were actually scrambling jets to intercept these ufos so that to me was a pretty, a pretty uh, concrete evidence that you know that my yogi master, Dr. George King, was in contact with these high beings. Well, and I think, uh, and and maybe this is a purely human thing. This is kind of an abstract thought, maybe. Um, but the ego that we have, that we think, oh, an alien that's capable of traveling through space and time, whatever to get to our planet, we're going to scramble military jets and we're going to shoot. You know, if they wanted us dead, we wouldn't even know they existed. We'd be dead like that because we can't find them. We, we're not even close to the technological, uh, you know. Now, the argument could be, well, they don't spend their technology resources on weapons. So maybe they wouldn't be capable of destroying us because they don't they don't have the, the violence that we have um, um you know dr king actually asked uh, in a mental transmission asked them 
if they wanted to take over because there's a lot of fear aspect right now about ufos that they're going to take over or they're evil or they're deadly and he was at he actually asked how long it would take if they wanted to completely take over the planet and they said between 10 and 15 minutes they could completely take over you know if you're talking about technology that's millions of years advanced and I think they probably have weaponry. There's this, the, you know, that could probably, he said that some of the weaponry that they have for self-defense uh, against other, you know, alien attacks, he said, uh, he said, makes nuclear warheads look like uh, toothpicks. He says, that's the kind of power that they have. But again, they're malevolent, they're spiritual, and they don't, they don't go out their way uh, to create wars and destruction like we do. And, and, you know, for millions of years we had, we had our own free will and 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 because we we haven't acted like you know uh, there's there's been great masters that have come and given us uh you know teachings spiritual teachings people like jesus and buddha krishna patanjali lao tse i ching all these people were higher masters from the highest spheres and they all came with the same message like thou shalt not kill and love thy neighbor as thyself. Love thy neighbor, yeah. And you know, and then and then we've warped it with religion, dog, religious dogma. And now, so you know, if you're not a, you know, Christians hate Muslims and Muslims hate Jews, and it's just, just it's just so stupid because all the teachings are the same. And so, what they're saying is, we need to go back to uh, the basics and 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 start, you know get back to you know because at one time we were actually advanced um you know we were advanced beings not only technically but also spiritually and uh, we've regressed i mean i think we've regressed lower than the animals right now i mean look around like you said we have these endless wars this hatred between races and religions pollution and you know um it's all got to do with one major sin which is ignorance that's what, what that's what these cosmic beings said is the major sin on this planet is ignorance if people knew about the spiritual laws if they knew about reincarnation that you know that if we if they went to war they could probably be killing their brother or sister or mother or daughter in a previous life they would think twice about going to war um you know um basic laws like the act the law of karma action and reaction being opposite and equal so whatever you do comes back to you so if you murder somebody you may get away with it in this life but it's it's guaranteed that in another life you too will be murdered and that's just the way it is so you know i've learned through my painful experiences that whatever i gave out i got back you know equally and uh and so if I did some good, it came back as good. And if I did things that were wrong, it also came back. So the law of karma of action and reaction or the divine law, again, that's the kind of thing that, that should be taught in the schools before math and science is that, you know, you're responsible for your actions. You know, you're allowed to do whatever you want, but you will get the repercussions of that. So, you know, the, the madness, you know, the, the fascists and the Nazis and the communists, they've all come and, you know, Julius Caesars and the Napoleons and the Genghis Khans, they've all come and, and gone. None of them stayed. They all they all fell. And and that's the divine law is you, they're allowed up to a certain point and they all fall. And so um, I, I think the reason for writing the book is I, I strongly believe there is a spiritual awakening occurring around the planet. I think there's two reasons for it. First, astrologically, we're in the Aquarian age from the Piscean age, and that's pushing mankind to be more open, to be more gentle, more caring, not only for his friends and family in town and country, but for the whole world. And also another aspect which people don't understand is that the, the planet that we live on for the last 18 million years is a living breathing goddess and she's she's also raising her vibrations so all these things are occurring there's changes in the weather that there is a great upheaval that's occurring right now and it's a chance for us to not not be scared of the future but to embrace it and, and to rise up on mass in peace and that was the main aspect of writing the book is to let people know that there is light at the end of the tunnel that we we don't have to 
live and suffer this way. We can't blame God or the higher beings. We can only have ourselves to blame. We're responsible for all the actions on a collective that have caused the, the problems that we, what we have right now. Well, so in the, the reincarnation aspect of it, and uh, I've talked about it only once or twice, I think, previously on the podcast. So my question always is, uh, with reincarnation, is there just a finite, uh, and this may be completely out of what you believe, but is there a finite amount of souls that just get recycled, for lack of a better term, and uh, you get recycled into different... Uh, well, I, I guess the question would be, I know the reincarnation, I remember learning briefly about it, where it was like, well, if you're Adolf Hitler, you're going to be a flea in your next life. You're going to live the most miserable life over and over again. Uh, and, you know, and, and similarly, the greatest dog will turn into a human, which is, again, kind of egotistical, I guess, because I would guess a dog's life is more fun than a human's. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that we... Uh, I think we're separated from the animal kingdom, the human kingdom, because we have uh, not uh, because our consciousness is different from the animal kingdom. But uh, I, you know, looking at it, I think the animal kingdom is a lot more malevolent than the human kingdom. Um, but reincarnation uh, has been taught for centuries, and it's very interesting. Recently, a lot of these truths are coming out. But I read this article in the. London Daily Express that uh, a few Christian scholars have come forward that the that the 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 truth of reincarnation was actually taught in the Christian religion 700 years ago, and they actually took it out of the teachings to create this one life in order to control the masses. So that was actually taught in the Christian religion, and a lot of Christians are actually now looking up and researching reincarnation. I think Jeffy answers answers the. Um, the question, you know, why all this inequality on this planet? Why is somebody born deaf? Why is somebody born blind? Why is somebody a virtuoso in piano and violin? Why is somebody has a high IQ and others don't? So these are all, um, the, I don't think there is such a thing as an innocent child being born on this planet. I think we come with, with baggage from previous lives and we have attributes and we have limitations. And reincarnation, um, you know, even the cosmic beings have said, I mean, if you look at Hindu and Buddhist philosophy, they talk about different levels of existence. We're not even aware of where we go when we die. You know, most people don't know. And, and Dr. Right. King, as a yogi master, was able to project to these realms. He said there was six realms above us and four realms below us called the lower astral realms. And, and we go, when we die, our vibrational sequence goes to these particular realms at which we deserve to, to go to. And we stay there and we learn and certain lessons that we need to learn on these realms. And then we die on those realms and we, and we come back and, and why reincarnation, you know, well, what, what, what my dear Yogi master said, he says, we did not come to this earth to suffer. You know, suffering is what we've created he said, uh, he says, our destiny, our heritage is to come to this earth and learn lessons and raise our consciousness to higher vibrations, to high, deep meditative states and, and, and you know, have, have ecstasy and happiness on, on high vibrational sequences where we can actually eventually evolve from this planet. And so we come as different races, different religions, even different sexes, you know, uh, over and over again in order to just learn the experience cycle called life to the point where we can raise our consciousness and then eventually become uh, the true human beings. The, you know, we're spiritual beings in physical bodies and to become the spiritual beings that we're supposed to be and, and, and uh, you know, not this madness which, was, which we've allowed by certain very, very powerful people in the media and the politics and even religions to control us to the point where, we, you know, we're, we're like molded masses of clay. And so now with this great awakening, uh, we've been given the opportunity now to, to think for ourselves and rise up and become part of this new uh, age that's coming in the next 
few centuries and and live in peace and harmony and that's our destiny we're not supposed to be in this mess that we're that we're in right now so and that's very interesting so almost there's six higher realms and four lower realms uh, and by that i'm curious does that mean in essence we're all in and i i just using the most common term i can think of is earth is basically purgatory until your soul or your spiritual being can elevate or just you get sent down to to again i don't want to make it heaven and hell but to an extent it's almost the the higher levels and the lower levels and earth in the middle well what dr king said he said that uh, he said that karma uh, doesn't uh, punish so there's not such thing as a, a purgatory and, and punishment. I said uh, karma teaches. It's an essential teaching. So all the painful experiences that I've had in my life and other people have had have, have tempered me and made me a, a better person. I have more compassion because of the painful experiences that I've had. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's pretty obvious that the mass murderers and, you know, all, you know, the... Um, the dictators and all that, it, they pretty much go to the realms that they deserve to go. And usually they go to these lower astral um, planes uh, or the hells. But I don't think it's for punishment. I think it's just for teaching. Uh, to, and unfortunately, they have to learn very, very painful lessons in order so that they don't repeat what they do. Um, and, and, you know, you talk about the, lo the low realms and the higher realms, you know, it comes back to, again, the UFOs and the beings who man these. And, and, and Dr. King wrote a book in the 60s called You Are Responsible, where he talked about projecting to higher realms on other planets in the solar system, on Mars and Venus, and actually meeting with higher civilizations that existed on level four and five. And so he said, you could, he's, I, you know, I, I agree with the scientists that if you went to Venus or Mars or Jupiter or Saturn on the, on the physical realm, the, the possibility of life would be very minimum. But if you project it onto the higher planes of these planets, he says, that's where the higher beings uh, reside. And, you know, a lot of the UFOs are seen to the sunny blink from existence and come into existence and blink out. So they have the uh, technology to actually come onto the physical realm materialize and then dematerialize onto higher spheres so we're not even aware of the higher spheres here so if we can't be aware of that how can we be aware of these higher beings that, that live on these higher realms unless we raise our consciousness and for dr king to actually contact these beings he had to raise the power of uh, of, of kundalini up to a very high psychic center in order to communicate with them was in the case of just picking up the phone and talking to them. He had to raise his vibrations to very high levels in order to communicate with them telepathically. So uh, these things are being revealed. Unless you're psychic, you, you're probably not aware of these realms, but they do exist. They're, they're, they're just as real. Um, if you project it to them, you could sit on a chair and the chair would be just, just as a normal chair would be on this physical realm, just on a different vibrational sequence. So, and this ties into, or at least in my mind, it, it ties into something you mentioned earlier with, um, uh, with the psychic part, you're, you're able to access uh, your prior life skills. I think you said something to that effect. Um, now, how does the average, uh, the average Joe, you know, uh, how do they tap into that? skill set is it meditation uh you know what i mean because i would think there's a lot of people with a psychic skill hypothetically from prior life that don't know how don't know they have it because they've never really accessed it i don't know if the question well, makes sense but <laughs> no no it, it makes total sense and uh to access uh the past um uh, uh you know Dr. King says, you know, we got enough on our plate in the present to worry about accessing our past, but eventually we will reach a high state of, of a meditative state where we will remember our past lives. Uh, they're not that important right now. I think this life is more important. 
but um, if you look at some of the, uh, uh, you know, yogic techniques of deep meditation, breathing, uh, sometimes they, they, they force the power up. Um, and those, some of those can be very dangerous. And the most safest way and what's required right now is, is the transmission of spiritual energy. Uh, Dr. King said in the 70s when they had the oil embargo, he said there's only one energy crisis that's occurring on this planet, and that's a spiritual energy crisis. Is if you solve that crisis, all crises between countries and even in your personal life will automatically be solved. And when we talk about spiritual energy, we talk about the same energy that Jesus used to heal the sick and cure the blind and heal the lepers. It's that same spiritual energy that anybody can use. And all we have to do is just, it's, it's, it's in the cosmos, it comes from the sun, it's pranic energy, it's very tangible, it's very real. And that's what people need to understand that, uh, that the, the transfer of spiritual energy or prayer is actually a very uh, practical metaphysical uh, application, which is our heritage. And all we have to do is to visualize uh, a white energy coming through us, uh, through our heart center, through our, the palms of our hands, and send it out on a regular basis. And um, that's the requirement uh, that we're, we're asked to do, is to spiritualize the planet right now. You know, there's a mind belt that's full of hatred and jealousy and envy and war, and we need to transmute that by using our natural uh, psychic abilities and sending out this spiritual energy. And that's the order of the day. And the more we do that, the more we actually start evolving ourselves and then we can start experiencing, uh, uh, you know, our psychic experiences, our, our visualizations, our mystic experiences. These are all just natural aspects of us, which we've actually just uh, ignored. And, and the time now is to start channeling this energy in order to raise our vibrations, not only raise our vibrations and evolve, but help others to, re to revolve. The thing is, Jeff, it's so simple that it bypasses most people. You know, people don't, you know, they, they're ready to go to war. They're ready to drop bombs. They're ready for, uh, you know, on the social media to fight and uh, for their own, you know, um, cause and, and, and hatred you know, uh, if people don't believe what they believe in. And, and the order of the day is to transmute all that and realize that all of us, every man, woman, child, even animal on this, on this earth, we're all interconnected. We're all part of the one life. Like you said, you know, we're, we're part of this, this earth. We're part of the solar system. We're part of the cosmos. We're part of the universe. We're not separate from everything. We are part of this one life. And in order for us to raise that one life is to send energy of the right kind, uh, not so much religious dogma, but just natural spiritual energies, which are so needed at this time. That's a, uh, it, it's, uh, oof, that's a lot. <laughs> um, one thing, I always find interesting, and this is kind of jumping back to the to the middle of what you were saying, is um, a lot of organized religion. So I, I'm a born and raised Catholic, so we'll, we'll we'll take the easy route and, and go with the one I know best. But they talk, obviously, Jesus, who I think most people who have been educated, whether they're religious or not, think, well, Jesus was clearly... You know, whether he's the son of God, that's a, a whole argument, but he clearly was wise and he was a, a prophet, no matter what. He was crucified. <laughs> and uh, and now in, in Catholicism, and I think most Christianity, the belief is the Messiah will come again. And my thing always with that is any prophet who comes nowadays and hopefully I'm wrong, and I, I think I'm, I probably am, but any prophet, any wise being who comes nowadays is going to be crucified, not maybe in the same manner, but uh, social media crucifixion can be, uh, can be its own, obviously, again, not, not to, to uh, not to offend the, the, the Catholics that listen to 
Uh, it's it's not the same, but at the same time, if you're canceled, you're wiped off the face of the earth as far as what you can. And and I'm not saying that, that Alex Jones, for example, is a prophet. I am not saying that. Let's be clear. <laughs> but but you have to go far far out to try to find what he is saying. And I feel like if if the next prophet came and 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 told us and again i i'm the 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 word prophet might also be out of left field here but um he'd be shunned he'd be he or she let's also cover my ass on that but uh he or she would be shunned and say they're they're an insane person they're you know they're this that the other so i i don't i guess my question is is how how do you find not that we need a person to follow but how do you differentiate between the the bullshit and the the actual again profit might not be the right word but i i don't know if <laughs> if this yeah, rambling I, nonsense makes sense no to you. no <laughs> i think it, it makes total sense and uh yeah, we've crucified every every uh, good person that came on this planet. John Lennon, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr. You know, you know all those that that preached goodness and justice. You know, the Master Jesus. I mean, we made the Buddha beg for bread. You know, out in the wilderness. I mean, so yeah, they've been very mistreated. You know, my own yogi master was laughed at, spat at. You know, even his life was threatened because he, he's, you know, he, he when he said he was going to channel certain masters through him, including Jesus. At that time, the, the the Catholic Church, you know, wanted to kill him because they they thought he was blaspheming and all that. And and now people are more open to what he said. And he had a very, you know, in my book, I said I said we have the greatest um, lie detector ever built. And that's our intuition. And we have to listen to that intuition, to our inner, inner voice, do our research, and then find what feels right, and then follow that. And usually the intuition knows what's wrong and right. And uh, I wish I used my intuition in my younger years a little bit better. I would have had a much easier. Uh, so I, I tend to listen now more to my intuition and to whatever messages and whatever. And then these days, you know, if you speak the truth, you're considered a liar or a conspiracy buff. And if you, if you lie, you're considered a truth, a truth, right. truthful person. So you can't really win. Um, but at the same time, I will say that truth will always prevail over the lies. Uh, good will always prevail over evil, no matter what. And, and, and an example is, of course, look at our history. You know, all the all the dictators have fallen. Nobody nobody stays in power, and evolution continues. Uh, coming back to the Messiah or the next prophet, this will blow your listeners' minds. But um, you said you know they they're, they're not willing to land at this point. But um, uh, Dr. King uh, in 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 the fifties received a, a message that there will be another messiah or a prophet that will be coming to to earth um it may be jesus it may be buddha it may be krishna it doesn't doesn't matter who but there is going to be another uh uh teacher that's going to lead people to this new age and the difference this time is that he won't be coming in any mystery he will he will actually come openly in a spacecraft uh, he will land openly and he will approach the earth leaders and they will ask his credentials and he'll produce them. Now, this, this totally blew me away. But this particular Messiah or master said, will be so powerful. He said that uh, his, his power will be more stronger than the combined military might of all the armies. So he will demonstrate his power. He's not going to kill anybody. He's not going to become as a dictator, but he will demonstrate Dr. King said he, he by telekinesis, he could probably move the Statue of Liberty from New York to L.A. It would demonstrate that kind of power. And that is being prophesied is going to happen. So nobody will be able to 
deny that this 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 particular person nobody will be able to cancel him on the media uh, nobody because he will openly demonstrate his power and then those who don't heed this heed his word will be removed from the earth in in, in other words uh, he won't kill anybody but those who don't go back to the spiritual laws of helping each other of raising the consciousness will uh, being reincarnated onto another younger planet in this solar system. Um, people refer to this planet as planet X. It's on the other side of the, of the, the sun. So we can't see it, but scientists know that it's there uh, because of the gravitational pull from uh, Uranus and um, Neptune. And so, so people won't be able to, you know, handle these high vibrations in the coming new age will not be allowed to live here because they won't be able to handle these high vibrations. So they, they'll start the reincarnation cycle on this other planet and, and, and start the, you know, the, the, the history of this bloody history that we created on this other planet. And only those who've raised their vibrations will be able to enjoy this new age. And this new age, the, there's not going to be any political system. There's not going to be an economic system. There'll only be land and sea. There won't be any nuclear warheads. And people will, will enjoy this beautiful planet and this beautiful new age that not might, but will come uh, to this earth. So, so people who are, who are in, and I wake up with anxiety, depression, and fear on a daily basis because of what's happening around the world. But I just want to let people know that, that things may even get worse before they get better. But there is this Messiah or new age prophet that will be coming openly. And this new age uh, is, has been destined because of, because the mother earth is raising her vibrations and she's, she's, you know, held up her vibrations for millions of years in order for us to live on this planet. And no longer will she be allowed to do that. And so these are the last days of the old order. And uh, you know, we, you know, we're given every opportunity to raise our, our consciousness. We're given every opportunity to rise. And, and uh, I think it's a beautiful message. I think it's, it's not a message of fear. I think it's a wonderful message. And all the energies that we need, the cosmic beings are beaming down to us. And so all we have to do is just send it out. Now, if people don't know how to send this energy out, I, I belong to a group that we send out energy every day from different countries they can go to this website called 12blessings.org the number 12 being numerical and they can join us there's no money involved and if they want to learn how to send out these energies they can do so or you don't have to believe in a divine being you don't have to believe you can do prayers in your own religion in your own beliefs all you have to do is send out the energy you can actually physically you stand in front of a mirror and you, if you visualize white light going to the mirror, you'll see a re, uh, the, the, the energy will be reflected and you'll feel a tingling around your, around your hands and around your aura. And so it's just like electricity. We can't see electricity, but we know what electricity does. It's just on a higher vibrational sequence, um, but it follows the same laws, but just on a higher level. And so, you know, there's three ways of being of service. I mean, I give to charity. Uh, I think it's my duty. I also volunteer uh, directly. I, I help. Uh, I do some volunteer work. And of course, the third thing that I do is send out the spiritual power. And so, you know, it's not, some, I think it's just like taking a shower, brushing your teeth. Once you get into it, it's not a big deal. It's just that on mass, we're not doing it. We're, we're more interested in rape and pillage and raping the planet and wars and greed and money and materialistic things, which really don't count too much because when we die, we don't take a penny with us. And so what we have to do is start thinking outside of the box now and start realizing who we really are. You know, we're not physical beings, we're spiritual beings. And we need to go back to that uh, spiritual evolution uh, that one time we did have on Lemuria and Atlantis. That's uh, uh, powerful on many levels. And uh, Bill Gates is going to end up on Planet X is what I took from. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we mustn't judge anybody. But... No, no, no. But, but, eh. 
Uh, <laughs> but but uh, so so one thing. Um, so obviously, I'm I'm joking, but you know, Bill Gates knows where he's going. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, that all being said, I love the. Um, well, so I guess to focus it into a question is part of it should be uh, with all that being said, should people even fear death? Meaning, well, I guess that's a pretty straightforward question. <laughs> you know, I was looking at this documentary the other day about this Nepalese uh, climber who, who broke the world record uh, by climbing, uh, I think, 14 of the highest peaks in Pakistan, Nepal, and in India, uh, not only K2, but, but Everest and a bunch of them. And I like what he had to say. This, this man was driven, but he said, as soon as we're born, we're destined to die, you know? And, and that's, that's the reality of it, you know, death and taxes, we can't avoid it. Um, we, we shouldn't fear death because, because death is not the end the end of everything is just another transition from one sphere to another. Um, so it's an, kind of an, an initiation. Um, people, I think, who fear death just fear because they want to they hold on to the material things and they want to hold on to their loved ones. But we just know that um, there is no such thing as death, just a transition from one. I mean, you know, I've, I've lost pets and people and you know of course we we get we, we get sorrowful and those those are normal aspects of 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 life but um uh but no we 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 change from one level to another we stay at that level then we come back and it's 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 endless you know it's just uh it's it's just millions and millions of lives that we have to go through in order to learn all the experiences that we learn and uh, no, there's no, there's no need to fear death because there's no such thing as death. And, and Wajida, and uh, I, hopefully this, uh, you're, you're being generous with your time, so I don't want to keep you too much longer, uh, even though I feel like I could talk to you for days. <laughs> um, but I won't do that because that would be your own, your own personal version of hell. Uh, <laughs> but um, we can always, I can, I can always come back and continue, but we'll go on, go ahead. um so one thing i've talked to one or two people previously in the podcast who talked about reincarnation one thing that bothers me about it and uh, i i did get one answer one time that satisfied me (laughs) um but uh you know i have an incredibly close relationship with my parents and I've got a daughter and a son and, and three siblings who I love more than anything and 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 multi, uh, uh, a handful of friends, let's face it. Sorry, some of you don't make the cut uh, that I love to death. And I think, well, reincarnating without them being with me, it wouldn't matter. So to me, you know, I care so much about my son and daughter. It's like, well, if their spirits were not part of my life, I don't, I don't care to live a next life. And that, so twofold question here. One is obviously that can be a very short term limited in this certain view that I have towards life. Uh, now, and the other part of that is now one person said, I do think that spirit spirits kind of can cluster and that you don't have the same relationships necessarily, but you do find each other in your lives uh, no matter you know, the, the people who you truly love. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I know that's kind of, again, out of left field. No, probably, I, but- again, 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 you've, you've touched on a great point. Um, a lot of people who've had uh, near-death experiences include a friend of mine who had a um, motor, terrible motorcycle accident and he died. Uh, he noticed that when he approached, he, he went through this white light tunnel and then he, the first thing he saw was his relatives who'd passed on. So um, I think people who passed on wait for you on the other realms. And I think also um, I, I'd have to do more research, but it's, it's been said that, that you do kind of reincarnate with the people that you're close to in order to learn those experiences. And so, um, um, you know, you, you, 
yeah, you you may be the father in this life. You could actually be the son of your of your. You know, you could actually be your son could actually be your father. I mean, I, I don't know. It's so complex. I'm I'm not an expert in that. Everybody's fair play. So. <laughs> um, but uh, I think we we have karmic weave karmic experiences between people and i think they do uh one thing i do like about reincarnation is you start off on a clean slate your memory is pretty much eased off i mean can you imagine i I couldn't live with myself say if i was a soldier in a past life that killed civilians that was forced to kill civilians i couldn't live with that so sometimes it's good to come with a, a clean memory and focus on 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 this life but eventually, when you reach, like I say, a stage of evolution where you become an adept or a master, you will remember all your previous lives. But I think the thing to do right now is just concentrate on this life. And so, um, you know, it goes back to, again, you know, how close are we to each other? You know, Dr. King made himself very unpopular in the 60s. He said that he said that the red communist Chinese are, are just as close to you as your as your family is and people didn't like that and in the book i said the terrorists are just as close to us as as our family and so we have to just realize again after lives of experience and evolving that eventually that realization will dawn that we are all one family you know even though we 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 have this closeness to our immediate family that eventually we are the family of mankind and that doesn't come till till down the road till we realize it, but uh, um, yeah, those you know there was um, there was a wonderful one I I saw about this one lady who passed away when she had during birth, and she remembered her past life. She was in England and she remembered her past life. Her children were in in uh, Ireland and she went with her husband. And she found her children who were in their 80s at the time. And she was 35. And she recollected all the experiences that she had when they were children. And they asked these people in the 80s, they said, do you think this is your mother in a past life? They said, yeah, that's our mother for sure. So we do, these these things do weave and intervene. And uh, and we, we do come back with possibly the same, you know, having experiences with the people that we're close to. So... That 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 makes me feel a lot better. I don't, <laughs> maybe it's a narrow-minded view, but it does <laughs> helps make my mind uh, rest easier. My my my, my mother's eighty-five. When she at night, she still has dreams of her siblings who passed on. Um, my father comes into her dreams, and uh, you know, and other relatives. So and and they kind of saying, "We're waiting for you," you know. So so I think. Uh, when we pass on, we're not alone. People who passed on are there waiting for us. They say even our pets wait for us. So that's something I'm looking forward to. You know? <laughs> do, do you think, uh, do you think dreams are kind of a, a, a peep, uh, peep into the, a peak into the other realms potentially, or is it? Well, sleep is actually a form of projection where we unconsciously project from our part of our consciousness does project to the, to the different realms when we sleep. And so, and some of us have extremely vivid dreams and they may not be dreams. They may, they may actually be projections to these realms. So some of the nightmares or good experiences, you know, could be, could be, uh, you know, uh, going to, uh, Dr. King related an experience once where, uh, he worked at this, uh, office building in London. And uh, one night as a yogi, he projected to this office building and he said they were all there at night. Everybody in this office building were there in, the, in, you know, in, in their astral bodies, conniving, pushing for position, all, all of them, uh, you know, had projected to the, so they, they visited the office at night in their dreams. Um, they had nothing better to do. So that's why it's important that if you keep your vibrations high, and and send the energies out you'll project to higher realms where you can do actually more good at night as well so he said you're responsible for your thoughts 24 hours a day so we we do project to these realms some lower realms some higher realms again it all depends on on our motive and what we do during the day wow well 
<laughs> Again, I, I could talk to you for days, but I will not do that to you. Um, Wajid, uh, where, um, and I'll link everything in the show notes. Uh, obviously, you've got uh, the book that I can highly recommend, The Struggle for World Sanity. Um, and I'll link that in the show notes. Any place else people can find you? Um, they can just go to my website, which is, uh, I think that's the easiest way because it has the book and and uh, links to my acting and other stuff. Um, they can just go to Wajid Author, W-A-J-I-D-A-U-T-H-O-R, WajidAuthor.com. Awesome. Well, Wajid, I will... Um... Uh, I, I, uh, I, I will probably, uh, I hope that I get to talk to you again in the future. Uh, but I thank you very much for your time today and, uh, uh, had a enlightening conversation. Uh, great time talking to you. Thanks, Jeff. It was a real pleasure. That was the episode. Uh, holy God, that was awesome. Uh, Wajid Hassan uh, uh, blew my mind. Um, and uh, I talked to him after uh, we recorded, and I think he's going to come back on the podcast. This was really awesome. Uh, my questions were obviously meandering and ridiculous, uh, but he complimented me for, for the thought process. So, uh I'll, I'll, you know I like compliments. Uh, no, Wajid, this was a, a delightful. This was one of the. Ugh. And, and again, I, I I keep a notepad here, and it's full of things I didn't even talk about uh, with him because I just wanted to react to what he was saying, and obviously, uh, maybe it was a little of this that slowed me down or maybe it was just the the cool stuff he was talking about uh you know what a fun interview uh especially as i battle with my mortality turning 35 i'm basically on my deathbed so <laughs> there's also that so anywho uh i'll put all of wajid's links in the show notes please uh share this episode with a friend this was awesome. And if you didn't think it was awesome, tell me that. I don't get any insults on social media uh, unless I'm insulting Trevor Simeon. By the way, the Saints finally won a game because Taysom Hill started and they played the Jets. Anywho, follow me on everything. Uh, like, subscribe, share, all of those things. Uh, that's about it. Um, we'll see. I'll probably pop out another episode before the new year. Kind of winding down. The podcast audiences kind of get a little quiet around Christmas time. So, will I? Probably. So, uh, hey, uh, side note. Uh, I've got a, uh, fundraiser for my birthday for Americans... For suicide prevention AFSP. Uh, donate a few bucks if you got it on Facebook. Uh, it's shared on the podcast link and of course my personal page uh, for my birthday that was December 11th. Uh, that fundraiser will be active for another few days at least after this release. So anyways, hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, come back, subscribe, come back for more. It's always going to be fun. It's always going to be different. Peace. Love you.